Hey, howdy, this is Trent, and I am part of No Walls Worship, <laughs> which is um, a weird little funny service that we do at Bee Creek UMC, but we do it out in the community, and so it's a service, and it's a service, uh, and it's a service. Today is July 14th, and tomorrow we are having service at the Crystal Creek Distillery, and I'm getting ready. That's what I do. This is part of how I get ready is talking to you through this message. And I haven't done one of these in a while. Today's July 14th. The last time I recorded one of these was July, not July, it was June 2nd because we had service on June 3rd. Then Father's Day, June 17th, we had kind of open mic, more informal. And then we had a guest speaker last time, the wonderful Annette Hicks gave a really um, amazing, moving testimony. And Scott Calhoun was playing music. It was it was really beautiful. We had a great crowd. Uh, great crowd on Father's Day, too. It surprised me <laughs> by how many folks showed up. Uh, it was one of our, our better turnouts. But it's been about six weeks since I've done one of these, and so I'm all kinds of excited to do one again and a little nervous, too. You, you take a pause, and then you ask yourself all these kind of weird questions like, can I really do this? And I was like, of course I have. <laughs> We've been doing this for two years. But, uh, but no, it's funny how that works. Anyway, um, here's a quick thought I've been having. This is, this is kind of related to the message, and it's kind of not, but it's... It's a thought that's been rolling through my in my head almost all day, and the the thought is I've just been reflecting on how disconnected we can be. You know, we we spend a lot of our time inside of doors, right? We sit at our desks, we lay on the couch, we watch the TV, we go into the office, we go into conference rooms. We spend a lot of our times inside of doors, and we're you know, disconnected from the earth, disconnected from the sun, the wind, the trees, the green, the buzzing little bugs, and all that that was here well before we had skyscrapers and tempered glass and everything that makes up a modern city. Um, I've been feeling like, you know, we're disconnected even in the food that we eat. You go to the restaurant and someone in a kitchen, unnamed, puts together a plate and decorates it nice and puts it in front of you and you eat it. You go to H-E-B and you buy an apple and you are disconnected from the place that it was grown, the people that even picked it and put it in a basket and put that basket in a box and put that box on a truck and then you're disconnected from the source of it. You're on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever you do and someone shares good news and you can celebrate in that good news, but you're disconnected from the way that you can see their eyes light up and the emotion that reverberates off of their body and you don't get to share in that. Um, and it makes me think that there's something just lost. There's just something naturally lost in convenience. Even as you listen to this, this is a convenient way to get a message. There's something lost. You miss the feeling. Um, you miss feeling the energy of the room. 
you can maybe hear the things that I'm excited about, but you don't get to see, you know, my body language get more dramatic or whatever it is. Um, you miss it. And I think this is why we come together, right? This is why we invite folks over for a meal. This is why we gather around kitchen counters while someone preps some food. This is why we come together to worship. It's because we need to be connected to source, closer to source, um, where everything comes from. I don't know what that means, and it's um, loosely connected to the message today. Um, but uh, it's been on my on my mind just about all day. Um, so tomorrow, Crystal Creek Distillery, uh, July 15th. Then we've got two Sundays off because we do this thing first and third Sundays of the month. And then we'll be back together in August on the first Sunday of month, August. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. August something. The first Sunday of August. That's when we're going to be together. Uh, and then third Sunday as well. And then we're cooking up some stuff for the fall uh, that I think will be fun. But um, anyway, let's roll into the message. Uh, the title of this is Something We Are Supposed to Do. The title is Something We Are Supposed to Do. All right, let's do it. I want to start by showing you a couple of times in the Bible that there's a blessing given. And the two that I'm picking are specific to a time where there's a Hebrew word at, at work. Um, the Hebrew word is brachot. <laughs> it's B-R-A-C-H-O-T. And it's translated uh, most simply like just giving a blessing. It's a blessing, but not like the blessing you receive. It's a blessing that you give. But it's a couple times that this word is used. And the first, they both come from Genesis, and the first one is Genesis 14. The one in Genesis 14 probably needs a little bit of setup. Um, this is quick, maybe a nickel worth of background. There was a king. There was this battle going on. There was a guy, his name was Abram, uh, Abram's nephew, his brother's son, or sister's son, I guess I don't know that. <laughs> Abram's nephew got caught in this battle, and Abram decided to get involved. He stepped up to the plate, he gathered a small army, and he wisely, strategically found a way to defeat the bad guys. Um, the king, remember when I said there was a king, the king, uh, he's got a funny name you'll hear. The king was super happy and he called Abram to the palace. And that's what you're going to be picking up on in uh, Genesis 14. I think I'm going to read verses 18 through 20. All right. And this is verse 18. Melchizedek, Melchizedek, <laughs> Melchizedek, the king of Salem. We should just call him the king. And a priest of God, most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. He's at the palace. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. 
He said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. All right, here's another one. Uh, this one is also in Genesis, and I don't think um, this one needs a lot of setup. You're going to recognize it. It's part of the creation story. But it's another use of this word, brachot. And this is in Genesis 1, and I'm starting in 27, and I'm going to read through 28. All right. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, brachot. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And let me, let me keep reading a little bit um, for no other reason than this just language is beautiful. Uh, verse 29, then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals. I have given you the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I have given you everything that has life. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Um, I just I just love that little bit. Uh, just there's a possibility to it, a marveling of creation, and it's it's good. <laughs> but 27 and 28 is what I wanted you to see. Then God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful and multiply." All right. Now here's something I believe, um, and it's something I believe deeply. To understand Jesus better, you have to, underline that, have to understand his Jewishness. Jesus was a Jew. He was well-schooled in Hebrew thought. He was well-schooled in Jewish tradition. To understand his impact on the world and how he moved through it, it, it's not, it not only helps, but I believe it's essential to understand the belief system he was coming out of. Y'all may remember a couple of months back, um, Jay Spencer got up and he talked about his dad and he did this at main campus just a couple weeks ago, but a couple months ago at No Walls. He talked about his dad and to help you know his dad better and his impact on Jay Jay told you about the culture of Odessa where they grew up. He told you about the job that his dad held. And he talked about some of the mindsets that his dad had. And all this served to, you know, put some meat on the bones of the story. But it also helped us get to know and even love the story of his dad that Jay told us. So it's essential um, to understand that background. And this sounds funny. Um, Jesus was not a Christian, <laughs> right? Jesus would not have known what it meant to be a good Christian because he wasn't a Christian. There were no Christians. Jesus was a Jew. And Jewish people had lots of things that they were supposed to do. 
there were over 600 rules um, to be a good Jew. And part of becoming a man or a woman was that at your bar or your bat mitzvah was you had to learn and understand and memorize these rules. And one of the things Jews were supposed to do is they were supposed to do a brachot, right? They were supposed to do blessings. They are supposed to do these brachots. They still do them. Um, you could say that if you want. Say that word. You should. Um, it's a fun word to say. You've got to get really phlegmy in your throat. Brachot. <laughs> that probably sounds really gross in the microphone. But translated really simply, it means to give a blessing on someone or something. And Jews had all kinds of brachots. Uh, the most common ones were ones where you were blessing food. There was a specific blessing uh, brachot to give before you ate. There's a specific blessing to give right after you eat. There's blessings for meals that are part of specific feasts. There's blessings for when you're eating bread. There's blessings for grapes and wine. There's blessings on vegetables. There's a specific blessing for when you smell something pleasant. <laughs> There's a blessing uh, outside of food when a friend shares with you good news. There's a brachot for when you experience something unexpectedly beautiful in nature. There's lots of brachots. I think you get it. And for the good Jew, there was always this wrestle, okay? Um, a wrestle with, imagine, a day full of brachots, a lot of ritual that you had to fight against the blessing being something that was just routine or just something you were supposed to do. You may end up forgetting the meaning or why you were doing the thing. Now, there are all kinds of things we are supposed to do. When you go out to dinner with your family and you sit down and you are served by a waiter or a waitress, you are supposed to leave a tip and 12, 15, 20%. I'm sure you, I'm sure each of you have little rules that you follow on how you apply that tip. And y'all, it, it bugs me sometimes when I'm not supposed, when I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, like... You know, um, you know those restaurants like Payway or Panera where you go to the counter to order your food, you don't have a waiter or waitress. They'll have a tip line on the receipt sometimes. And I don't typically think of those as tipping situations because you aren't being served, right? There's not a, a server. And I'll be at the counter and I'll lean over to Mitzi to say, and I, it's like, am I supposed to tip here at this place? And, and maybe the answer is no, but if I'm not supposed to, why is that little line there that says tip or gratuity on it? And what do I do with that line? Do I, do I write a zero? And that seems rude. Do I put a line through it? Uh, like I'm acknowledging that that's an illegitimate line. Do I ignore it? Like I didn't see it and just sign my name. What am I supposed to do? What are the rules? Um, Another thing you're supposed to do is you are supposed to go to your family's house at Christmas. You are supposed to put up a tree 
and decorate with lights and hang socks. And you are supposed to get one of those creepy looking elves that sneak around your house at night. Christmas comes with a lot of supposed tos. Um, several years ago, Mitzi and I decided that each year we would travel on either Thanksgiving or Christmas. And on alternative years, alternative on, on alternate years, we've gone to Mexico for Christmas. We call it punting Christmas. We aren't punting Jesus, but we are punting all the ugly sweaters and office parties and end of celebrations and all that stuff because hey, seven, ten days, we are gonna be gone. We're gonna be laying on the beach and playing in the pool with our kids. It's it's really glorious, right? And I'll tell folks about this at work or wherever, and the folks I'll tell that we do this, we just get away from it all. Their eyes will get wide and they will say, you know, I would love to do that, but we never could. Or, you know, I would do that, but my wife, my wife wouldn't do it because she would get so much flack from her mother. <laughs> They say they can't do it. They can't get away for Christmas because there are things they are supposed to do. There's a pastor I listen to on my podcasts, and he gives these little short talks about raising kids. And this particular pastor, he's pretty progressive in his style and his thinking. And so he gets these, I think, really open and interesting questions from a really diverse set of people. He said one of the questions he gets a lot is some version of, hey, I grew up with religion and a lot of it felt harmful, hurtful to me, but I still feel like I need to give my kids something. Um, and he'll ask them, well, what do you feel like you should give them? And they clarify and they say, you know, I, I need to give them the Bible stories. And this is where I think it gets really interesting. It's, he was saying in the podcast, he'll respond and say, well, which Bible stories do you really want them to know? And he shared on the podcast that you, that you would be shocked with how many people can't answer this question. They have this vague and general localized guilt about not giving their kids the Bible stories. And I've got that in quotes, right? The Bible stories. But they don't know what they would even be giving them. And he said sometimes they will know. You know, they'll respond and go, well, you know, I need to tell them about Noah and whatever, that guy that got swallowed by the fish. <laughs> I need to tell them about them too. And again, he responds kindly and he'll press and say, well, why those stories? Why the guy that got swallowed by the fish? How has that story been helpful for you? What would you want your kid to understand about that story? And again, he says, people will really struggle with the answer to these questions. And he will gently help guide parents to do really the only thing that we can do, which is share the things with our kids that have been meaningful to us. Or if you think you'll find something meaningful, go on a journey of discovering it with 
with your children. The point of this isn't should you or shouldn't you teach your kids the Bible stories. That's not the question that I'm trying to answer or the, the point that I'm trying to give. The, the question isn't are you supposed to do it? The more interesting question, I think almost always, is if you're going to do this thing, whatever it is, do you know why? Do you know why you're doing it? I volunteered with our youth group at the big church for several years, and it was an awesome experience, and um, I, I could see myself doing it again. And we did this class called Confirmation. The point of Confirmation is to better understand the Methodist faith, faith and at the end of it, you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to educate the kids and help them make their own decision, not their parents' decision, on if they want to be part of the church. And there's a little C to that, like little C, Bee Creek United Methodist Church, but also there's a capital C there, you know, the broader church. Um, and the interesting thing to me was that every year there was at least one or two kids that I had never seen before. They weren't part of our church. Their parents, I never saw them. And then after confirmation was over, I would never see them again. They just came to get this confirmation experienced. And I wondered about that. I, I tried to wonder about this kindly and curiously, the kind of, hmm, trying not to attempt any judgment, but my suspicion was that it came down to that the parents felt like this is something you are supposed to do. And God bless that, right? I mean, even that. I was glad to spend that time with those kids. But something you are supposed to do. So we're, we're starting to talk about getting to meaning, right? Getting beyond what are we supposed to do and getting to the why of the thing, the meaning behind the thing. And I think the cool thing about these Hebrew words, we've been talking about this word, brachot. Um, Hebrew words, they often will carry multiple meanings. The language was more limited and we have to work harder to define them in English. This word brachot, in one way, meaning number one is it's being used to acknowledge that the thing being blessed ultimately comes from God, that God is its source. So for the king, remember we were talking about Abram and uh, Abram and the king with the funny name. The king who was in the middle of this fight, for him, Abram came out of nowhere to pull together this army and defeat the enemy. For him, it was almost a moment of kismet or serendipity. And in his blessing of Abram, you can see that he is first acknowledging that this, this good news, this rescuing by Abram, the fact that Abram showed up, Abram comes out of nowhere, he is here from God. And even in the creation story, right? I mean, 
man and woman. God is directly involved. God is right there. God makes man and woman. God is the source, the creator. And then, so first, the first meaning of brachot, this to give a blessing, means to recognize that the thing is from God. And then there's a second meaning in here that I think you see really come out in the creation story is that the meaning of the blessing, it's a blessing of multiplication. God is the source of man and then says, go out and multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth, create more men and women, keep this thing going. It's It's a blessing of acknowledgement of source and then also one of creation, of multiplication, of do more. And y'all, I think we could stop right there. Just just knowing, just understanding the meaning of brachot is I think really beautiful that this giving of blessing and if I was with you, I might come and put my hand on your shoulder, right? I, I might come and put my hand your shoulder, your back, and I might look at you in the eyes and say, may God bless you. May God bless you. And I'm first, with all my heart and all my soul, trying to acknowledge that you are, re- that you are uniquely made, that your source is God, You are a divine creature. You and I are here and together out of serendipity, out of some kind of divine kismet. And then saying at the same time, as I say, may God bless you. May God continue to use you to multiply all this good inside of you. When I take an apple, <laughs> right? When I take an apple for a meal and I stop to bless it before I take a bite, even if I bought that apple from a grocery store, when I stop to bless the apple, I'm stopping to acknowledge that this apple came from source. This apple came from a tree, which came from the ground, which came from someone putting love and work and energy and water and nutrients into growing that tree. This apple comes from God. And in that same moment of blessing the source of the apple, I'm taking a moment to pray that the nutrients inside this apple will be transformed inside of me to give me the energy to keep moving, to give me the energy to do more good in the world. When a friend tells me good news, maybe they say, we're having a baby. (laughs) I may stop and say, may God bless this child. Brachot. (laughs) I'm stopping to acknowledge that this child comes from source. If you've ever known someone who struggled to conceive, you know the miracle of childbirth and the millions of things that have to go right and the billions of things that have to not go wrong 
to produce a happy and beautiful child. And in that same moment that I am acknowledging the source and the blessing of that child, in that same moment, in my brachot, I'm giving a prayer that this child, knowing her worth, knowing her value, understanding that she is part of this God source, will in turn multiply the good in the world. So, are you supposed to pray a blessing before your meal? Are you supposed to baptize a child when they are born and bless them? I'm not sure that's an interesting question to me. What's more interesting is if you do, why do you do it? What is the meaning of your blessing? What's the meaning of the brachot? Here's the last thing I want us to see about this ritual of brachot, the ritual of these blessings. It's that there's so many opportunities. There's a blessing for breakfast. There's a breakfast blessing for lunch. There's a blessing for grains. There's a blessing for any time you pick up a glass of wine. A blessing for when you see something beautiful in nature in a place like Spicewood, right? The doorstep to the hill country. How hard is that? A blessing when you find good news in a friend. These blessings are all around us. And friends, this is all that I ask, is that as you go out this week, that you own your supposed tos, that I would own my supposed tos, to do our supposed tos with meaning. And if you find yourself asking, am I supposed to do this or that? <laughs> I invite you to change your question and ask, why would I be doing this thing? I had fun. Thanks for being with me. Um, a blessing on you. Take care. <laughs>